Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Jamie Wall and Brad Lewis this morning here on the panel. Good morning to you, gentlemen. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Jamie Wall, Nadal, is he the GOAT now? Is he the GOAT? 21 uh, wins as opposed to 20 each for the other two? Well, I think um, by that statistic, I think you have to say yes. It's a fascinating ongoing conversation that we've been having for the last, what is it, 15 years now about uh, who the best men's tennis player is. And obviously Federer held that, title pretty unequivocally for a while and then Djokovic showed up and Nadal's sort of been banging away in the in the background on clay courts and then all of a sudden started <clears throat> beating uh, Federer more times than um, Federer could beat him and uh, I, I heard you guys talk about that statistic before that out of the three uh, Nadal's got the better win record uh, over the other two and so for me I think uh, especially after last night and the way in which um, he, he went he went about winning that that final um, to come back uh, from from being two sets down and and against a guy who barely looked like he was warming up as well uh, uh, after Nadal was was sweating so profusely they had to call out t- uh, someone to tell down the court after only two games uh, and then to come back and win um, at age 35 uh, really shows to me that yeah I think I think right now you can call him the greatest. Uh, but the best thing about this discussion is that it's an ongoing one. You know, we can um, we'll be debating it for the for the end of time, and it's fascinating hearing you guys talk about you know the difference between clay and and hard court and and you know what they actually mean. But uh, I think that that achievement last night, just given the way in which he went about doing that, um, the way the drama, um, <clears throat> and uh, you know the fact that everyone he sort of had everyone behind him. Um, a lot of it due to the the Djokovic storyline as well. They want them to be the guy who who held that record. Um, just goes to show that yeah, yeah. I think I think he is. I think he is. Okay, Brad. Uh, what about your opinion on it? I mean, it's heavily weighed as well in his, terms of his results and on clay on one particular surface. But uh, mm. twenty one is not. To, you can't deny it. <laughs> you absolutely can't. And look. Uh, it's a really great debate, the the, the the best of the three between them. And, and Federer wins the eye test for a lot of people. Right? He plays, the way he plays tennis is beautiful. Uh, Djokovic has, has been dominating for the last sort of three or four years. But there's just something about Rafa and the way that he plays, the way that no matter what country he's playing in, the crowd gets behind him because of the way that he plays. I mean, I was sitting there giving him the late Hewitt fist pump last night during that game. I was, I was, I was absolutely 100% behind Rafa. And, you know, I know that there might be a slight asterisk against his name for this tournament because Novak wasn't there. 
Uh, but you, as Jamie said, you can't deny it. He's got the stats to back it up. He's got the 21 slams. And it's really interesting, given the COVID situation and Novak's um, sort of vaccination status, uh, that potentially if he doesn't play the French or Wimbledon, he could find himself mm. two or three behind behind Nadal before 2023 kicks underway, you know. And um, I think that that's an interesting point for me. But yeah, I think at the moment, Nadal has the stats. He's won the most, okay. so he is the GOAT. So, Brad, uh, we look at um, clearly not yet the GOAT of women's tennis, a long way to go, but uh, when you look at uh, the dominance of Ash Barty in this tournament with the pressure of playing at home, the expectation, etc., the way she handled it with aplomb, uh, I think we're going to see uh, a really good era of uh, Ash Barty tennis. Yeah, this was a massive win for her because she's had so much expectation at, an, at numerous tournaments since that breakthrough win at Wimbledon, and she's lost in semi-finals at, at majors and, and early doors. And, and for her to on that pressure of, of having the Australian public 100% behind her, you know, Naomi Osaka went out earlier. There was no Serena, um, Simona Halep's coming back from injury. She, she, you know, she did a, she did a great job, and um, it's not like she got an easy draw. She beat some big names in there on the way, and I agree with you. I think she was just brilliant uh, drop serve what once in the whole entire tournament, which is which is crazy. And and she was it was the most dominant I think female Grand Slam victory uh, since the the heyday of Serena Williams for sure. Uh, where do we sit um, in your thinking then? Uh, to be honest. Uh, I, Jamie, I, I just wonder too uh, about uh, that performance from Barty because it, it's not very often you go to a major tournament as such and it just it was almost a fait accompli uh, from the time the draw was made. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, was a, it was a real <clears throat> a really feel-good moment um, as well. It's not often you can say that you're really pleased for an Australian sports person to be doing so well, but she's, uh, she's obviously really universally popular uh, so a very popular one in both the men's and, and women's, I think. Um, but also the other thing about Barty's win is it really is a great advertisement for uh, handling a career in a way that's best for you personally. If you remember back in, I think it was uh, 2014, yeah, she took a break for a couple of years and uh, went off and played a bit of cricket and just sort of got herself back together because she'd had that she'd had that kind of a uh, big start to her career and just took a bit of time time off to step back and take a deep breath and and, and refocus. And it's obviously done her an absolute world of good uh, coming into, you know, what's now going to be the prime time of her, her career is uh, probably not trying to put too much pressure on herself um, then. And so, you know, if people want to look at uh, an example of, of how, to, how to handle your career and, and do what's best for you and then get the best success out of it, I think... Ash Barty's really showing, showing the way how. Jamie, where does uh, Tom Brady sit then? It looks like um, you know he's out of the picture in terms of Super Bowl list time around. He won't be getting another ring, but uh, there is a fair chance he's going to retire. We hear that it's almost like a, an hourly update on the future of Tom Brady. Um, where do you sit with, with Brady and his career? Well, um, as much as I can put my own personal feelings aside about the guy, I, I will have to admit that he is the best football NFL player of all time, uh, absolutely. Um, and because he certainly has the, um, the numbers to back it up, uh, as well as you know, countless um, examples of of performing under pressure. Um, and the, the fact that he's managed to play in a professional football league at the age that he is and could potentially keep going 
really, there's no real reason why he can't keep going. It's, it's astounding, um, really. Uh, at the same time, I, I really don't know what to make of all these uh, retirement rumours. I would have always thought that if uh, Brady was going to retire, he'd, be, he'd make the announcement himself. Um, and it wouldn't just be leaked out to, an, to uh, a journalist, however reputable that journalist might be. But I, I, I highly doubt this is the end, the end of it for Tom Brady. He's gone on record as saying he wants to keep playing until he's 50. Uh, and there's no reason why he can't. And I, I just, knowing what we know about the guy, it's just really unlikely that he'd, he'd just fade off into the distance after losing a playoff game. I, I just kind of don't believe it. I think there's also an element of class about him too, though, Brad, because uh, uh, if Brady was to announce his retirement today, for instance, it's a playoff day, um, or even in the next uh, few days, um, it would sort of be a bigger story than what's going on in the NFL. Um, so maybe he's just waiting for his moment. Uh, he's, he's always been assessed as being pretty classy. 100%. And I, I think that, you know, I, I agree with you on that, that I think he wouldn't look to grandstand, especially with a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who's sort of the heir apparent to Tom Brady as, as the, the next great quarterback of the NFL. Um, and he's playing phenomenally at the moment, uh, you know, playing today. Uh, but generally when Adam Schechter reports something, he's got pretty good sources. So, like, that, that for me, why it's been a bit crazy where Brady came out and with, with his statement came out that the Bucks had spoken to Tom and he, he said that he that he hadn't made that decision yet. But the, where there's, where there's uh, smoke, there's fire, right? And uh, as I said, Adam Schechter's normally on the money. His sources are normally the source itself. So uh, I, I, I wonder where that's going and whether or not he's gone a bit early on that and betrayed Tom's trust somewhat. But uh, look, I, I think that we'll, we'll probably know maybe a week or two after the Super Bowl, I think that's the time when Tom would probably make that announcement to give the Buccaneers enough time to, to prepare for a draft um, and, and to look at, at trading to get a quarterback or something like that. He wouldn't leave them in the lurch like that. And they probably do know the truth right now. But, uh, yeah, um, I guess the, the issue is that there's murky water around it because we're getting conflicting reports now. And as Jamie said, Tom could keep playing. He had a phenomenal year this year. He was unbelievable mm. this year. He almost got the Bucks back from the brink of, 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 of an horrific loss against the Rams last week. So he can keep playing for me for sure. Well, Brad Lewis is with us at the moment uh, and Jamie Wall. They are the panel this morning. We're going to take a short break for the news. Uh, when we come back, I'll be able to tell you whether Lydia Coe has won this latest LPGA event. It's just one part away from it happening. Um, so we shall see. It could, uh, at very least, she's going to be in a playoff. So uh, we'll keep you updated there. And, uh, fellas, we might just talk a wee bit about Lydia, is this uh, the year of the comeback, Lydia? Talk big opinions, the panel. Well, Lydia Coe is uh, around about, uh, I'd say, 18 inches to two feet away from uh, capturing her 17th LPGA title. So you'd say it's a formality, um, but I'm not prepared to say it's all over just yet. But uh, Brad Lewis and Jamie Wall with us this morning. Uh, these are good signs, uh, Jamie, for this 12-month period. Uh, and it appears Lydia is back to uh, where she came from. It's been a bit of a ride, um, but uh, signs are good. Yeah, it certainly has been a ride um, with her, and it is it is fantastic to see her back, uh, you know, right up the top um, there. And uh, yeah, I'm just sort of keeping an eye on myself at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I I think with with her, uh, you know, it, it's obviously a sport that. Is predominantly played offshore, and you often forget that um, you know she's away plugging away, and we only really hear about it when when she has success. Uh, so it, it's it's a real it's 
it's really good to get her back into the New Zealand consciousness um, as the top athlete that she is, uh, because it, it is a fantastic career that she's she's carved out for herself. Even if she was to finish tomorrow, like she's obviously New Zealand's greatest ever female golfer. Um, and I think that you know a few more wins um, over the over this coming year uh, can really cement herself in New Zealand's consciousness consciousness as you know one of our greatest sports people. Yeah, Brad, where do you sit? She has won, by the way, folks. So, yeah, uh, she is the winner uh, on this particular LPGA event, number 17. Brad, where does uh, Lydia sit for you? Uh, and uh, well, It's like you, when you talk about Lydia, you, you, you've, it sounds like you're reflecting on a 40-year career, but what is she, 24? Yeah, it's crazy, right, because she was so young when she burst onto the scene. And, look, I think the, the sort of the... The, the reignition of her career kind of started last year when she uh, had the best average score on tour last year. Um, she was she had um, a phenomenal year last year with the most top 10 finishes. She had tournament wins, she did really well at the Olympic Games. And we just started to see that confidence sort of flow back into her game that I guess we as sort of fans that watch her every now and then, as Jamie said, we sort of only celebrate her successes. We sort of didn't really see her on a week-by-week basis when she was sort of 16th, 17th, 18th um, in terms of where she was coming um, every week, but she's right back there now. She's played phenomenal golf this week where she's won the tournament from start to finish aside from a couple of holes today. Uh, and yeah, she, she is right back um, and what a great start to the year for her to set up uh, what, what's a massive year. You know, she wants to get more majors under the under the belt and I think I saw a stat today um, on the TV coverage that she's got, I, don't, I don't know how the point system works, but she's seven points away from being guaranteed a spot in the Hall of Fame. She's got 20 points mm. and you need 27 to qualify, which is phenomenal. She's 24. <laughs> uh, at, at that age, simply unbelievable. Less successful, uh, Brad, overnight uh, were the breakers. They went down to uh, Tasmanian Jack Jumpers uh, and not just going down, they were thumped, 83-59. So uh, what are we... T- what are we thinking about this season now, the prospect for the remainder of the season with the breakers, and how much blame can we put to the fact that it's been such an unsettling thing behind the scenes? Oh, I think it would be pretty ignorant if we ignored that, right? Like, we just don't know because we're not there. I mean, I feel the same with the Phoenix, the Warriors, and the breakers. Is I'm happy to, 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 to give them passes on a lot of the, these sort of performances because they are at a distinct disadvantage playing away from home every single week. You know, like, how, how would Man United go in the Premier League if they bomb I mean, they're not going that great anyway. But, like, you know, would City be as dominant if they are playing away from home every single week? If they had to play at Anfield every single week, how would they be going? Like... I just, um, they were poised there. That's as a poor performance from a breakers outfit as we've seen for a long time. But they hadn't played since the 16th of January. They've been struck by COVID twice. I heard your interview um, last week. Um, phenomenal talent too. I, um, I can't remember who you had on, but um, he was he was brilliant. And he just talked about, you know, like how, how COVID had struck the eight people that hadn't got it the first time round. Um, you know, like it's just, it's, it's a tough spot they're in. Uh, and, and yeah, I, um, they were they were awful yesterday, and they're just concerned to get momentum back. Um, hopefully, they they can turn this around because you know when they're at their best, they are a great team to watch. Yeah, Yanni Yanni Wetzel is the guy that uh, we were talking to out, out of Westlake, uh, Westlake boys, but he also has uh, spent some time on the uh, the college scene in America as well. Jamie, um, I, I, I feel a bit sorry for them in that regard. I had high expectations for them, and I also uh, I've got to pay them a tribute, of course, because they're doing what. Uh, we really they don't want to do, and that's play every single game. I mean, this time, this time uh, when they were talking about the schedule, they were supposed to be playing at home by now. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's that is one thing that um, 
I think we could all relate to uh, not just not just sports teams as well. There's a lot of things all of us thought we'd be doing by now. Um, and so, and if you think about it like that, uh, it's pretty hard not to empathise um, with uh, the Breakers and the other teams that are playing over there because they're not just playing away from home. You know, it's not just like they can't play on their home court. They're literally in another country for this whole time and they don't know when they're coming back. And I, I can't stress how much of a psychological toll um, that must take uh, on them. Um, but they're fronting up. Yes, it would be better if they were winning or putting in better performances, but I just sit there and think, like, well, you know, it, it must be so difficult uh, being over there. I think that this year uh, we're going to be seeing, we're going to have to see a bit of, bit more of an improvement out of the Warriors, though, uh, just given how many, how much that team's changed, and that it's almost, you know, an Australian-based team at the moment that's going to be playing a few exhibition games here in here in New Zealand. So I think that that's going to be an interesting story. But as far as the Breakers go, you know, they went into the season thinking that by now they'd be back home at a place where they get phenomenal support from very, very loyal fans. Uh, and they know that every day that they're away from New Zealand, that, that fan base back here is, is perhaps slowly eroding just due to their, due to their form. Um, so they're in a really tough spot, and I really feel for them. Uh, good result for the Northern Brave, the Wellington uh, Blaze, over the weekend, winning the respective Super Smash titles. Uh, Jamie, and interesting, uh, the, one of the key players uh, was a bloke we sort of uh, feel it from time to time, or more than often than not, uh, under-delivers. Mitchell Santner, an amazing 92 not out from 40 deliveries, match-winning, I think you have to say. Yeah, that, that game was pretty much over as soon as he started swinging his bat, because he was seeing it like a beach ball, and just absolutely took that Canterbury attack apart uh, and got them over that, I guess, uh, magic 200-run mark, which is, I, I think, um, you know, quite a big psychological thing in, in T20 cricket, um, if you're batting first. And just it was one of the better, one of the best uh, T20 innings I think I've seen, especially, uh, you know, in a final. Um, uh, the, only, the only thing I can say is that I hope he... I hope Scott Kugeline bought him a beer afterwards for coming in when he was in 92 not out and then hogging the strike for the last couple of overs. Like, that, was, that was a bit dumb. But, um, and uh, also, uh, big, big, um, big uh, innings as well in the women's final with Sophie Devine um, yeah. setting up the blaze for that big one. And, uh, you know, as someone who grew up in Wellington, uh, I think this is the first time I've seen such a dominant Wellington sports team. You know, we've had teams that have won titles in the past, but they went they went perfect uh, in a in a T20 season, which is which is fantastic. You know, in a format that just lends itself to upsets. You know, to go to win 11 games in a row and win the final by such a margin, um, I, I really applaud them, and um, you know, really 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 proud of that side. Gentlemen, thank you very much this morning. We've had uh, Brad Lewis and Jamie Wallace, the panel. Uh, great insight there on a number of uh, widespread issues. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll speak to you guys again shortly, uh, and we'll have another panel, uh, of course, tomorrow at the same time. Uh,